Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus and his church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. Weston, if you're visiting, glad to have you with us. It's been a beautiful week. Y'all awake out there? Go ahead and say, yeah, it's been a beautiful week. Yeah. Did you, are you glad you came to church? There you are. Hey, as we think about the story of Easter, one of the things that we do think about as Christ followers is telling people about it because we think it's an amazing story and it's something that ought to be shared, ought to be shared in a conversation. Uh, we all like a good conversation. We all like talking to people that are easy to talk to. Uh, think about that for a second. Just think about who is the easiest person you know to talk to. Maybe, maybe they're the best listener. Maybe they give the best advice. Maybe they do both of those things. Uh, who is the person who is the easiest for you to talk to? Give you a second to sort of come up with that in your mind. And, and as you've got that, think through this just sort of using the term Christians. If we were going to say, hey, is a Christian easy to talk to or not? You know, what would your response be there? Uh, is a Christian somebody who is known for being easy to talk to? Do you get the same feelings that you do for the person that you're thinking, man, this is, a, this is somebody who I'd love to have a good conversation with? Now, I know in this group, we've got some diversity, and you're, some of you are going, yeah, absolutely, Christian's easy to talk to. I know some of you are going, no, Christians are really hard to talk to. And I think that we could probably all say that sort of stereotypically, Christians have maybe not been known for being good conversationalists, uh, particularly probably because they've not been good listeners. Uh, we love to talk, we love to tell people things, but we've maybe not always been really great at listening to people. Uh, for a long time, you know, the church had the slogan, you know, Jesus is the answer. It was on, you know, shirts and there's bumper stickers and, and there's even a song, Jesus is the answer for the world. But I, I wonder, does the world look at us and see the bumper sticker and hear the song and go, that's great, Jesus is the answer. But what is the question? You know, because it's not a question that maybe I ask. Why are you telling me Jesus is the answer? I, I think this is where we find ourselves. And that's not good. Because as people, we want to be people who are approachable, who are able to talk with folks. We want to be people of influence. That's probably the right word. Because we want to help people. We want to help people through hard stuff and, and help them sort of, you know, accomplish who, what it is they want to accomplish and who it is that they want to become. And we don't get to do that if we don't have some sort of influence in their life. And that comes just with conversation. Now, as Christians, I mean, unashamedly, we say absolutely, we we do think Jesus is the answer for a lot of the things we wrestle with. Like, you know, who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? What should I do with my life? As, a, as somebody who's followed Jesus, I can tell you, I think Jesus has the best answers for those questions. But, but the question I'm asking us today is, will anybody ever ask us a question to which Jesus is the answer? 
And I think that probably not unless we become intentional about it. This morning, I want to look at an account in the book of Acts. The church is really young. It's growing. There's a guy by the name of Philip who comes on the scene, and he's kind of a prominent and important person in the early church. He is selected to be an uh, administrator, a leader, a deacon. Uh, we call them ministry coordinators here. Uh, somebody who's overseeing a food ministry, uh, food bank, sort of a maybe delivery service for uh, widows uh, in the church who were having a hard time and couldn't afford to take care of themselves. And so he sort of supervises that for a while. And then after he's done supervising that, uh, there's a persecution that sort of breaks out and it scatters everybody. And Philip ends up in a town by the name of Samaria. This town of Samaria is, is a pretty important city in that area. And uh, Philip starts to tell people the story of Jesus Christ. And as he tells people the story of Jesus Christ, people are drawn to it and they start to come. And you give it enough time and it's like Philip has introduced the entire city of Samaria to Jesus Christ. And it's pretty amazing. Today, we're going to pick up right after that. Right after that, we read in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8. We've got it on the screen. We've got it in your app. Um, and here's what it says. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake. Now, if you've got an older Bible translation, it's translated Candace. Uh, the NIV here gives us a great little helpful translation. It says it means queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, it's just like Pharaoh means king of the Egyptians. Candace means queen of the Ethiopians. This man, this, this Ethiopian guy, had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah. The prophet, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, here's, here's the, the first thing that we've got to understand. If we want to be people of influence, if we want to be people that are able to, to speak words and to be an encouraging force, step one is real simple, but it's the one we often miss. It's this, is that you've got to be available. You have to be available. You have to show up. Philip does. Now, Philip didn't have to show up, in my opinion. Philip had sort of earned his right to sort of be an important guy, right? Because he had been, you know, a manager, supervisor of a citywide, you know, uh, hunger operation. He was not keeping people hungry in the city, but feeding hungry people. You got to be careful how you say those things. So he's in charge of feeding people in the city. He is in charge of leading an entire city to know Jesus Christ. And now God says, hey, Philip, got a new assignment for you. Would you just go to the desert road and just stand out there? Just stand on the desert road, Philip. Now, Philip could have probably argued with God and said, hey, Lord, listen, uh, my skills are probably better suited for a city, you know, large thing, name and lights, that kind of deal. That's not Philip's response. Philip says, all right, what do you got? Let's go. And he goes to this desert road. And as he's at the desert road, this, it says the spirit told him to go stand near this chariot, to go walk near this chariot, Philip. And so Philip goes and he stands next to the chariot. Now, I don't know how... God's spirit spoke to Philip. I don't know what God said to Philip or how he communicated to Philip when uh, he told him this, but I have a feeling it was probably one of those quiet, small prompts where God just sort of puts on Philip's heart, hey, that's, that's the place, that's the person, that's where you need to be. If you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower, I suspect that you've had those moments where God has spoke to you in some way, shape, or form. It, it may be not an audible voice. Maybe it wasn't like an email or a text from God. That'd be really convenient. But it's more like that, that thing that you get kind of on your heart where it's like, oh, you know, pray for this person. 
You know, send him a text. Tell him you're thinking about him. Uh, buy this guy lunch. Or, hey, you know, that, that gal, she's struggling right now. M maybe get her a gift card over to Kroger. And, and there's all these things that sort of kind of come to us in our hearts and our minds that God speaks to us. And the question that Philip answered to yes, that we often answer to no, is, is are you just going to show up? Are you just going to be available when the message comes to you from God? And so often the answer for us is no, I won't show up. It's been said that half of life is just showing up. I think that's true. As a matter of fact, I, I will be real honest with you. That's actually a phrase that I sort of live a lot of my life by is to just show up. Just show up. I, I, I want to amend that statement a little bit because I think there's something missing from it. It's not just that half of life is showing up. It's that the first half of life is showing up. And that you miss the rest if you don't show up. People, some of you are wondering, why isn't God using me? Why isn't God using me in my family? Why isn't God using me in my workplace? Why isn't God using me in my school? And the answer is because you haven't shown up yet. Now, I know a lot of you are saying this. You're saying, here's the thing. I just don't have the right stuff to show up. I don't have the right tools, the right knowledge, the right, you know, whatever. I don't have the right experience I, I just can't show up just like this. I gotta, I got to have more. I gotta know more. I gotta have done more. I need more before I can show up. I have to have this. Wrong. You will never have the right stuff until you decide to show up. L let me illustrate this for you in a non-spiritual way. Kind of, I try to make this real simple. I don't own a welding device. Um, I know that they come in different varieties. Some are more electric, some use gas. Those of you that are welding people, you're like, you really don't know what you're talking about. That's correct. I do not know. There is nothing, just on an aside, personal note, there's nothing more manly than welding. I mean, it's just true. Like, I've, I have melted metal. Uh, I have put metal together. I mean, that's just like really a masculine thing to be able to do. I don't possess that power, but I would love to if I had the opportunity. I don't own a welding torch. I don't know how to use a welding torch. I don't know any of those things because I don't need one. But let me tell you, if I moved on a farm where I had to start welding things regularly like the hitch to the plow or the whatever, I, I know this is all nonsense. And you hear that, and I hear it too. I hear myself just the same as you do. I know that it's nonsense, but I can tell you I'm a pretty handy guy. I, you know, I've, I've learned how to do a lot of things just by deciding I'm going to go ahead and do something. And I'll tell you, if you know, all of a sudden it's like, hey, you're going to feed your family. You're going to have to start welding. All right, I'll tell you what I do. I go to Harbor Freight because I'm cheap, and I'd buy a welder thing. And I would, I would watch YouTube because it is the source of all knowledge. And I would watch YouTube. I'd search like welding for dummies. And that would be me. And I would learn how to weld. And let me tell you what would happen. I would burn myself. And that's okay. I would make a lot of bad things. But then eventually I'd get a hang of it. Why? Because I decided I was going to do it. Friends, listen, let me tell you, I, th it's the same thing in the spiritual world. A lot of you, you're going, man, why isn't my faith deeper? The answer is because it doesn't have to be. Your faith is just as deep as you need it because you don't do anything with it. You know, why don't I know more about Jesus Christ? Because you know all you need to know. You're not doing anything with the knowledge you have. I know what you're thinking. You're like, I just need one more Sunday school. I just need one more huddle. I just need one more class. I just need one more sermon. I just need one more YouTube Bible study. Go do that. But it is not going to take your faith deeper or your knowledge of Christ deeper until you do something with it and you decide to show up. Let me give you a challenge if you're in this other camp and you're not sure that you 
think that I know what I'm talking about. Go ask any of your favorite Bible teacher, small group leader, you know, huddle leader, seminar leader, you know, preacher, whoever. Go ask him, say this, when did you learn the most about your faith? And the answer will be, I promise you, because I've asked this question a hundred times without exception, the answer is always this, it's when I started to teach. It's when I decided to start sharing what I knew with others. That's when my faith got deep. That's when it got real. Friends, are you going to show up? Are you going to be available? That's step one. Here, let me give you a, a little word of encouragement too. Because you don't start with the deep apologetic stuff. You just start by listening. It's a conversation. You start with being curious. Asking people, who are you? What's going on? Tell me about what matters in your life. How are you doing? What's your week been like? That's what Philip does. Philip takes some time to get to know this guy, this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's pick back up here in Acts chapter 8. Acts 8 verse 30, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Friends, this is the moment here where Philip gets to know this guy. This guy is reading the Bible, but he doesn't understand it. He's looking for God, but he can't get close to him. Let me tell you a little bit about the Ethiopian eunuch, some things that would have been readily apparent to Philip, but probably most of us missed. The first is this. Is the, the text tells us that the Ethiopian eunuch, whose name we do not know, came from where he lived in the Ethiopia area there. He came all the way up to Jerusalem via chariot. Okay, this is a week's, if not months-long journey. He's riding in a chariot. Why? It says that he went to worship God. He doesn't know God's name is Jesus. He doesn't know that Jesus has come for him. He just has the sense that he needs to go to Jerusalem to worship God. So he's clearly a follower of some sort of Judaism. But here's the thing. He's not a Jewish man. He's a Gentile. He's from Ethiopia, which means as soon as he gets to Jerusalem, there's a sign on the wall that literally reads, if you're a Gentile, you can't come in. And let's say he's proselytized. Well, he's been castrated. You get, need clarity on that? Ask your mom about that later, kids. Um, so he's an Ethiopian. He's a Gentile. He's been castrated, which means that even if he had proselytized, he still couldn't go inside the temple. So he travels all the way to Jerusalem only to be stopped at the door. If he did not know that, can you imagine how disappointing this would be? To go on a week's, month-long pilgrimage to a place where you could not enter. He gets there. It's probably not all in vain because he's, we see that he's got a, a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. That's probably not something he packed with him. It's probably something he bought there, which also tells us he's got a lot of money because people weren't running around with scrolls at this point in time. You know, they weren't like books mass produced. They were handwritten. These were large, cumbersome kinds of things, and he has got one. So that means he had enough money to buy it from somebody, and so he is desperately reading this text, trying to learn who God is. And in that moment, Philip finds him and says, do you understand? Do, do you get what you're reading? Because it's kind of complicated. And the guy's like, I've got no clue. How can I? How, how can anybody know unless somebody explains it to me? And, and that's the beginning of the conversation. 
He just shows up and he asks questions. He just shows up and he's present. Let me tell you, that is such a powerful tool. Just not that long ago, I had somebody in the community, not from our church, but contact me. He, he knew where I was from and what I did. And he said, you know, I, I know that you believe in Jesus. I know that you're a Christian. And, you know, I grew up in a kind of a difficult situation in terms of faith. And I'm wondering if perhaps, um, you know, we could have a conversation. And I said, yeah, I'd love to sit down and talk with you. As we got into this a little bit more, uh, just this guy was just thinking, asking all sorts of questions and said, you know, I, I want to know about faith and all these things. And I said, well, you know, I'm glad to hear you out. I'm glad to hear what you've got to say. And, and you know, do you think maybe you want to read a book? You know, are you interested in maybe studying this a little bit further? And he said, yeah. And so I said, well, I, I really like this book that's called The Problem of God. We did it in the church one time. I said, you know, you could read it. I've read it a couple times and we could just talk about it. We could just talk over the, the book. And I said, I know you've got a lot of questions, and I'll be honest with you, I'll tell you all the answers that, that mean something to me. I said, but some of the questions you're going to ask, they just don't have answers, okay? So if you're looking for all the answers, they don't exist. I'm sorry, I wish they did. And he said, no, that's fine, that's fair, let's just talk. And so we did. We started going through the book, we started reading the book, and then a few months later, he gives me a call. We've been meeting fairly regularly. And he said, you know, listen, it, it's, it, I realize that I'm just fighting God. All of this stuff, all of these doubts, they're just excuses that I have put up as a way of not dealing with what I need to deal with. And so I'm ready to be baptized. And that day, we got together, and I baptized in it. And it was an amazing thing. And I'll tell you, it's not because I had the right answer or the right argument. It was because I showed up and I listened. Friends, that's what people need from us. They need people who are present, who are available, who care enough to hear them out. I know that one of the reasons why we don't do this is because we're afraid. We're afraid of this. But at some point in time, we've just got to show up and say, man, talk to me. Tell me what's going on. And in those moments, you know, we'll be able to have another moment that's a moment of just honesty of just being honest, of just saying, listen, I, there's questions that I have, there's questions that you have, and that's okay. Here's why I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Here's why I find Christianity compelling. It's not a sales pitch. It's just, I guess we call it a testimony because we're just talking about why it means something to me. This is what Philip does. He's honest. Hey, let's pick up in the text here, Acts chapter 8, picking up here in verse 34. Uh, here's what it says. It says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Let me tell you, if you show up and if you care enough to ask questions and get to know people, at some point in time, the answer to the question they ask will be Jesus Christ. And when that moment comes, have the courage to just say the name of Jesus Christ. When somebody asks you, listen, you seem to have a, a bit of calm that the rest of us seem to be missing. Where is it that you find your peace? Say, Jesus Christ helps me. We talked about this two weeks ago. Just say, God helps me. When, when somebody asks you, say, listen, man, I know that your marriage was rough because we talked about it, and yet you're, you're here, things are together. What happened to your marriage? Don't be ashamed to say, Jesus Christ happened. Don't be ashamed to say, Jesus did something that I just can't explain. Friends, we just have to say the name Jesus Christ. We just have to be honest about it. And yet so many of us, we just say, I don't know, things just worked out. You know, what, what does that even mean? Listen, I know one of the reasons why we don't say the name Jesus Christ is we're a little afraid that we're going to mess it up for somebody. I know that that's the reason. 
but this brings us to the last thing we've got to do if we're going to be people of influence is this is we've got to be trusting trusting particularly of god we've got to trust that god is involved in this process listen i know that some of you've been praying for a husband or wife for years listen i know you want to see your spouse come to know jesus christ but i'll tell you god wants to see your spouse come to know him even more i know that some of you've been praying for your kids for a while and they've wandered away and you love your kids so much and you want to see them know jesus christ i want you to know god loves your kids more than you do and he wants to see them come to faith too we've got to trust that god is involved and we've just got to do our piece uh, philip clearly does this let's let's look here at the text it says and he gave orders to stop the chariot oh we missed it can we go back to the other one as they traveled along the road they came to the water and the eunuch said look here's water what can stand in my way of being baptized now let's ask this question if that happened today what would our answer be let's say you you show up and you start to have a conversation and you're honest about jesus christ and over the process of just having lunch with somebody they're like man i'm ready to give my life to jesus christ i, I want to be baptized what's our answer today I don't know, but I suspect our answer kind of goes in this zone. Uh, right now, really? Like, this quickly, you're ready? I don't, I don't know if you really understand what you're wanting. I think you need to learn more. I think you need to go to, like, there's a class. There's a baptism class. That's what you should go to. You should probably pray about this. You know, think about it before you do it. You know, you, you got to think and pray about it first. Or, or you got to go to that class, or you got to talk to pastor capital p pastor whoever that guy is you got to go talk to him because you know he's the guy that you know operates the jesus jacuzzi i mean he's the guy that you got to talk to um you know that's what you got to do you got to do those things and then you can be baptized we're like no not right now but let me tell you that's not philip's answer philip says why not let's do it if you're ready god's ready there's no reason to wait and the text picks up it says and he gave orders to stop the chariot that's the eunuch then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Philip's not worried that he's not been to class. Philip's not worried that he's not talked to capital P pastor. Philip's not worried about any of that stuff. Philip is trusting that God is at work. When they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Friends, here's what Philip understood that we often forget. God is at work in these things. God is at work in the lives of the people we have encounters with, and God is working to draw people to him. You are not going to save anybody. I'm sorry, this comes as a hard note for some of you. You are not the source of all salvation. Jesus is. Our job is not to save anybody. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And it starts when we just show up, when we're curious about how other people are and when we're honest about our faith if you do those three things you show up you're available you're curious and you're honest i'll tell you god's going to do some amazing things in your life but it starts with the question are you going to just show up are you going to be transparent are we going to fall back on the way you know that we've operated in the past and kind of say listen i got all the answers your life's a mess let me help you out uh, this is illustrated so well uh, this is a true story there's a college in michigan the philosophy department the religion department shared the same uh, like floor of a building and as you came up the stairs to their floor uh, philosophy departments this way religious departments this way there was a sign as it points to philosophy department it said unanswerable questions yeah all my philosophy majors appreciate that um, and then to the right we have the religion department and it said unquestionable answers um we laugh but not too hard because um that's kind of how it's been, right? 
you know, don't ask too many questions. Don't, you know, just sign on the dotted line. Friends, that's not how this works. That's not how life is. It starts with a conversation. It starts when we decide to show up and when we decide to be honest about how Jesus has made a difference in our lives. That's the challenge this week. Let's do it. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word that makes it so simple and clear and easy to understand that, that talking about Jesus is really not that hard. It starts when we decide to show up. And so, God, for everybody that's in this room, everybody that's watching online, I pray that they would have the courage to just show up this week. And God, they, they know that in their mind right now, all the Christ followers here, God, I know they have somebody in their mind that they're like, I need to show up here. God, would you give them the strength and courage to do that? God, would you give them the humility to shut their mouths and just ask questions this week? To just show that we care, because we do. And God, when the time's right, would you help us to just say the name Jesus Christ? Like he really means something to us. Because he does. And Jesus, we trust that you're involved in this. That you are the one working on our salvation. That you are the one who's orchestrating all these things. We trust that you will work it out. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This morning we're going to sing a song. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. Some of you, you can keep just praying for maybe that person you want to show up for this week. Others of you, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to just, if you came with that cute girl who's a Jesus follower, or you came with because grandma made you come, or you came for some reason, I'm going to sit up here. You can talk to me, but I'd love it if you would just ask them after service, could you tell me about Jesus Christ? What would it mean if I were to give my life to him? Help them grow in their faith and learn a little bit more about what it means to be a Christian. I think it would be a fun conversation. I wish you could stand